The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Good morning. Let us pray. Holy God, help us look beyond the idolization of human leaders. Help us to see you as the way to shepherd peacefully. In your name we pray, amen. John 10, 1 through 10 is a very interesting passage. Verse 10 is very well known. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The verses leading up to it are challenging. Jesus said that everybody who came before him was a thief and a bandit. How could he say such a thing? Really, every single human being before Jesus was a thief and a bandit? What does he mean by this? What I think Jesus means is he's talking about leadership. He's talking about kings of kingdoms and empires. If we look at the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament in the Bible, we see that there were some very famous kings, kings that were powerful, such as King David, who stands out as the most celebrated, victorious, and successful. But the thing about David, if we look at his life as it's recorded in Scripture, did he ever steal? Yes, he did. He had a problem of taking things that weren't his, including Bathsheba. 
There's something about absolute power that corrupts absolutely. Jesus here is giving a critical analysis of political leadership. We have this tendency as human beings to identify and put our hopes in certain people, human beings, political leaders, thinking that if they get power, our lives will all be better. And then when those certain individuals get a taste of power, do they want more? Yes, they do. In fact, today, in the days that we're living, it doesn't matter if a leader is a little more red or a little more blue, they both want four more years. Am I right? They get a taste of that and they want more. So Jesus here gives an instruction to anybody who thinks that they are called to leadership. Jesus says, anybody who doesn't come through the gate is a thief and a bandit. And who is the gate? Jesus says, who is the gate? He says, I am. I am the gate. So any of us, whether we are a leader in a local setting or a national setting, we should look to Jesus to be our example, to be the gate that we must go through if we want to be a good shepherd and not a pirate shepherd that's only interesting in enriching ourselves. So then we have to look at the life of Jesus. <clears throat> what was Jesus' lifestyle? What was his way? Did Jesus ever use coercive force to gain power? Never, never. Even in the final days of his life, when his life was on the line, when someone took out a sword to defend him, Peter, his most trusted disciple, he told Peter to put the sword away. His form of leadership was nonviolent and peaceful. I wouldn't say it was passive because Jesus regularly confronted people. He would speak the truth. He wasn't a doormat, but he didn't want to use coercive force to gain power. And he says the same thing to us. If we are to be shepherds that follow his example, he says, come through my way, the way of peace, and the people who follow you, they will listen to your voice. You don't have to overdo it. You don't have to cajole them. You don't have to beat them over the head to be your followers. They will hear your voice and they will follow. I was helping one of my kids with their homework this past week, and they are learning about the medieval times of Europe and looking at different examples. And in their history book, the example that they were assigned was Charlemagne, Charlemagne the Great. And in the history book, it said one of Charlemagne's great accomplishments was that he spread Christianity all around Europe. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And you read on and it says, how did Charlemagne do it? He said, either you become a Christian or I'll kill you with my armies. 
And I thought, I wonder who wrote this history book? Do they know anything about Christianity at all? How could you force people to be Christians at the tip of a sword? Something isn't lining up. Jesus says, to be a shepherd, to be a leader, to be a king, to be anyone, you must go through the gate, the gate of peace and the way of nonviolence. I was visiting with, uh, once upon a time, I was visiting with someone, and it was uh, someone that was going through some severe sickness. And they had made it through some really tough times, and things were getting a little bit better. And it looked like they would have another chapter in life, that they would have some more time on this earth. And they were reflecting as to why this was. And they told me, and they were very They were very tense as they told me this. They said, Pastor, it must be that I have a job to do. It must be that God has me here for a reason and there's something that I have to do before I can go to heaven. And like this, they they were flexed and they were tight. And I said, maybe that could be true. That could be totally true. It could also be the case that you're saved by grace through faith and not by works. And there's nothing that you have to do for God to love you and to save you and to accept you unconditionally. And that this new lease on life that you have is just a gift, just a gift from God that you didn't earn, that you can't earn, just a gift for you to accept. And as I said this, They slowly relaxed, took a deep breath and relaxed a little bit and said, oh, I hadn't thought about that before. God's grace is so wonderful for each and every one of us. It is like a warm embrace every moment of our lives, embracing us like a child that we can relax into God's arms and simply Be thankful for this day. What do we call the moment that we're living in right now? Not the the past, not the future, but the, the present. The present. It's a gift. It's a present from God that we don't have to perform or achieve or achieve this wonderful high standard of excellence. We can just accept it as a gift from God. You know, in the time of Martin Luther, there was this whole scheme that was put into place. And the scheme went like this. In order for a person to go to heaven, they would have to pay for it. That's how corrupt things were in the 1500s. You literally had to travel around Europe. You had to have a lot of money. You had to buy indulgences. And then when someone died, you had to pay for like five or six masses to be said at the moment of their death and literally pay for them to get into heaven. And Luther said, that's a bunch of hogwash. It's not in the Bible and we shouldn't be doing it. We're saved by grace through faith and not by works. And you know, if you look at the situation that we're living in today, it really isn't that different. 
Rather than a centralized church creating this scheme, we have a globalized media system that does the same thing. Day in and day out, we are bombarded with messages that says, if you can just acquire this next thing, this next gadget, this next gizmo, this next wonderful thing, then you will finally have happiness, a happiness that will be eternal. It's a secularized version of the exact same thing. And in the same media system in which we live, in the, the movies and in the TV shows and in all those things that we are shown day in and day out, it shows this myth of exceptionalism, this myth that if you can be smart enough and work hard enough, you can go from the bottom all the way to the top. It's the same idea. It's oppressing us. It's making us think that we have to be better than everybody else in order to be saved. Nothing could be further from the gospel. Nothing could be further from the Bible. And if you want black and white proof, look no further than our reading this morning from Acts 2. This, Acts 2, is a vision of when the church first got started and a vision for what the church still is and can be today. Thank you, Debbie, for reading it for us this morning. Acts 2 says that the baptized devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Our eternal life, our well-being in this life cannot be achieved by individual success. That's a myth. Our well-being, our security can only be achieved together. Together. We as a people have far more in common than we are led to believe. And when we are together and we are clear on what it is that we need to survive and live well, not just now, but for the next generation, for our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, on for a thousand generations, when we talk about that and we're clear on that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who holds office because we will say you work for us. You follow the way of Jesus. And we, together, live out our faith in fellowship. And God's grace and God's eternal salvation is for us. Amen.
Please stand as you're able for our hymn of the day. <laughs> 